in this episode of the Eucatropolis podcast, Extreme Ukulele. How to record your sound, how to protect your ukulele, and why you should master the monostrum. Welcome back to the Uketropolis podcast for more real ukulele answers to real ukulele questions. I'm your host, James Hill, and in this episode, I'm going to try something I've never tried before, and that is to take questions from the very outer limits of the ukulele, a course that exists on the very fringes of the ukulele world. Ukulele X is the course, and coming up, are my answers to three questions from students in that course. Stick around. When you visit euktropolis.com, the first thing you'll see is this map. It's like a bird's eye view of the imaginary city of Euktropolis. You'll see um, the jazz club, you'll see the beach, you'll see the school where the kids learn ukulele, uh, you'll see the sort of university-type building where teachers study, you'll see the spa where you just relax and play beautiful music for your own enjoyment, you'll see the rocket launch pad, that's booster uke, um, you'll see all of these things that represent different courses within the Euctropolis sort of learning ecosystem. And then, if you look closely, you'll see an underground lair. Literally, there's like a hole in the ground, and there's this long ladder that leads down to this secret underground lab. And if you look closely, you'll see in the lab, there are like scientists who are doing these experiments on ukuleles, and it's a little bit weird and freaky, which is exactly what Ukulele X is. It's funny, the other day I found an old video file that was supposed to be used to promote this course, but never got used. I had the idea to partner with a string manufacturer to promote and release the course. The idea was that Ukulele X is kind of this stress test of ukulele strings because you you just are so hard on the strings in this course. And so the catchphrase for this campaign was, can your strings do this? And then it would show all these kind of crazy things that students are doing in this course. So in case you've never heard of Ukulele X, here is a 45 second sample platter of some of the sounds that students are making in this course. Check it out. Can your ukulele strings do this? Or this? What about this? I'm James Hill, and this is Ukulele X. Extreme Ukulele. So, you see what I mean. 
Ukulele X is not an advanced ukulele course. It's an extreme ukulele course. And there's a difference, right? Um, ukulele Jazz is an advanced ukulele course, one where you're going to be playing uh, advanced jazz harmonies, you're going to be exploring improvisation, you're going to be playing great jazz standards and moving up the neck, you know, all that stuff. That's advanced ukulele playing. You, you really need a foundation um, to get there and to enjoy it to its full extent. Uh, the Ukulele Way, books five and six, those are advanced ukulele resources. You are doing finger picking and solo playing and uh, campanella style. These are advanced ukulele resources. But Ukulele X is a bit different. You don't necessarily have to get there in a linear way. Like if you're just starting out and you have a few skills under your belt, you might think of yourself as an advanced beginner or maybe intermediate. There's no reason why you can't jump into Ukulele X if you're really interested in what the outer limits of the ukulele are like. It's more based on your curiosity than it is on your technique or your experience. So keep that in mind if you're considering signing up for the course. There's a free lesson that you can test drive at ukulelex.com. So let's get to some questions from students who are in this course at the moment. I've chosen these three questions because they're not just about Ukulele X. They're general enough that they could apply to anyone who's playing the ukulele. So let's get into it. Our first question is from Roman. He says, Hi James, thank you for the great tutorials. I've been having fun with the beatbox technique and even started to make my own beats. That's great, I love that. Um, I have a question. How do you proceed when it comes to recording? I recently bought an electric ukulele and I record the sound to my computer. It sounds good, but only the kick drum sound comes out clearly. The snare drum sound doesn't sound like a snare. It's very soft. So I'm wondering if you have any tips for recording onto the computer. Well, this is a great question, and it applies to anyone who's tried to record their ukulele. I, I know from experience, and if you've tried to record your ukulele, you know it's a mixed bag. It depends on so many things. But I'm going to focus on one thing here, um, and that is the difference between the pickup sound and the mic sound. So Specifically, Roman's question is about this sound here, which is the what we call the snare sound. It's like kind of a flick of the finger on sort of the, the, the upper shoulder of the ukulele. And we use that in Ukulele X to make beats like... You know, it gives us that crack, that snap. And the reality is that sound is very much an acoustic sound. It, it, um, it doesn't translate through the strings and into these conventional pickups that you have under the saddle of the bridge. The strings themselves have contact with the bridge 
and they press down onto the uh, pickup element, it's called, that has some fancy crystals in it. And as the sound waves sort of um, compress those crystals, they create an electric current, and that's passed into the cable, which is then passed onto your amp or your computer or whatever. But when you're just hitting the body of the instrument, those vibrations don't get translated into electric signals because of the way the pickup works. So a sound on the body, a percussive sound like this one, just doesn't make it into the cable. It just doesn't. And so you really have to record on two separate tracks simultaneously. One track is the direct signal from the pickup, and another track would be a microphone sitting in front of the ukulele. It's that simple. And then, you know, later on, you can mix or blend the two tracks together in your favorite audio, you know, workstation software. But the, the, the bigger question here, the more general question, I guess, the one that applies to anyone who's recording, not just within this course, but anyone who's recording their ukulele sort of wrestles with this at some point. I get a lot of questions about this. Should I mic the instrument or should I go direct? I think the perception out there is that if I if I go direct, if I plug it in and go direct, then, then I'm going to get a, a cleaner, clearer sound that doesn't have, you know, my dog barking in the background and the, the neighbor's lawnmower. You know, if I use a mic, I'm going to get all those extra noises, right? My, the shuffling of my feet or the mechanical noises of my fingers on the strings. And I understand, you know, conceptually why that's a sort of a popular approach. But the reality is the microphone is going to sound so much more natural than the pickup. A pickup exists for one reason and one reason only, and that is to make live performance less of a headache, literally, to eliminate the feedback on stage that actually gives you a splitting headache. That's why pickups, you know, direct pickups, uh, piezoelectric pickups, like the ones we're talking about, that's why they were invented. They weren't really invented to, to, to give a beautiful, natural sound. They are instruments of convenience, and they do that really well. I don't know what we'd do without um, pickups like the ones we use in our instruments. On stage, they're an absolute lifesaver. However, when you're in the studio, it's a different thing completely. And that studio might be a multi-million dollar audio production studio, or it might be your bedroom. Or your kitchen. You know, these days, everything is a studio. But the difference with the studio or your bedroom studio is that you're not running a big PA system pumping out your signal to, you know, 3,000 people and, you, you, you know, being worried about getting that signal into the microphones, which creates that feedback. You're not worried about that in the studio. So you have the luxury of using a microphone which gives you so much more fidelity in the sound. And you know what? All those mechanical noises and ambient noises, room noises, creaking chair noises, distant dog bark noises, all those things that you think are deal breakers, 
They're not. I mean, it just adds character. That's all. And uh, I, for one, I like those kind of sounds in recordings. I like to be able to hear the room, you know, to hear the environment. Uh, whereas when you plug in, uh, you know, you could be anywhere. It, it takes away some of the character of that recording. Okay, so just to wrap things up on this question and to have a bit of fun, I'm going to do a demo where I play a little riff and switch between the microphone and the pickup, and then maybe we'll hear the two sounds blended together. So here we go. This is microphone only. Here's the same riff with the pickup only. Okay, interesting, right? When you hear them side by side, you really hear the difference in tone. But to get back to the original question, what happens when we start to add percussive sounds to this? For example, this flick sound, that sort of rim shot, like that. Well, let's find out. I'm going to add that to the riff that I'm playing. And first you're going to hear it with the microphone only. Here we go. So we're hearing that percussive sound pretty clearly on the microphone. But let's see what happens when we switch to pickup only. Here we go again. Okay, so as you can hear, that percussive sound kind of disappears when we switch to only the pickup. And that's because it just doesn't make its way into that pickup element. So to get that sound, you really want to use an external mic. That's why on stage, I've always liked to use a blender system right inside the ukulele that has a microphone and an under saddle pickup and I can blend the two on stage uh, myself. Uh, one company that does that is Fishman. They have uh, a pickup called the Prefix Pro Blend, and this is one that I've used a lot over the years. I recommend it. It's expensive, but uh, if you're doing this kind of stuff, it's totally worth it. One last thought before we move on, and that is the pickup is good for some sounds. For example, that low bass thump that I get when I tap right on top of the bridge, like that. It's the kind of sound that you may not even hear 
if you're listening on your phone or on your computer speakers. But if you have headphones on, or if you have some good speakers hooked up to the computer right now, you'll hear this thump because I'm I'm tapping lightly right on top of the bridge, which passes that directly into the pickup and just sends this thud down the instrument cable into the speakers or into the computer. So that sound is courtesy of the pickup itself. And when I'm playing acoustically, I get very little from that technique. So here's an example where um, I need the pickup to make that sound. So again, the ideal on the stage and in the studio, ultimately, is to have a blend of pickup and microphone so that you get the low thumping sounds and you get the higher rimshot sounds and the audience just blissfully hears it as as one blended package of sound like this. Okay, let's turn now to another question from Ukulele X. This is a question from Aaron. He's working on lesson two. And he says, Hi, James. Thanks for this fantastic program. Just a little concern. Um, Will the flicking, that kind of sound that I was just demonstrating, that one, will the flicking damage the finish on the soundboard of my ukulele? Well, that is a great question, Aaron. Uh, And the short answer is, yeah, probably. (laughs) There's not really any way around this. You're not going to wear through your soundboard the way, you know, Willie Nelson wore through the, the soundboard of his acoustic guitar. But it will definitely leave some scratches, some scuffing on the ukulele. In fact... Ukulele X, as far as I know, uh, somebody can just correct me if I'm wrong here, but Ukulele X, as far as I know, is the only ukulele course where you actually have to sign a waiver, basically. You have to tick a box when you sign up that says, in part, and I'm reading here off the website, it says, uh, it says, I understand that Crystal Lake Media, that's my company, is not liable for any damage caused to my ukulele or any physical injury caused by ukulele X. Furthermore, blah, blah, blah. There's a little bit more. But, like, when have you ever seen that in uh, an online ukulele course or really any music course? There is a, there's sort of an extreme aspect to this, both in terms of how it feels in your hand and the potential fingernail damage and damage to your instrument that you know puts this squarely in the realm of extreme music making so i don't want to sugarcoat that at all yes very likely it will damage your ukulele not so much in the the first two parts of the course where you're just using your fingers you'll probably get some scuffing that you can buff out with a little chamois if if you really want but in part three of the course where we get into prepared ukulele, which is just the art of using foreign objects on the ukulele to make 
wild new sounds. When we get into that stuff, unless you have a pick guard or you know some some kind of coating on the soundboard, you very likely will damage it. And that sort of brings me to my last uh, tip here, which is you may want to get a like a protective plastic film uh, that you can put on the soundboard. Uh, there's one brand called Guitar Guard, and if you just search for that on the, online, you'll find Guitar Guard. It's basically a, a thin plastic protective layer that adheres to the um, to the soundboard. I don't think it actually sticks down. It's more like a kind of like a static cling type of thing. So you can you can put it on and take it off, and that might help. For the ukes where I'm doing really extremo stuff. I have um, thin wooden pick guards that are actually glued right on to the instrument to uh, to protect the finish. So, yeah, it's an extreme thing, and uh, that is sort of what you're signing up for. So, Aaron, I hope that helps. Uh, be brave and uh, carry on. time for one more question from ukulele x the course on extreme ukulele that one that exists underground on the Euctropolis map where you're in the secret lab experimenting with the absolute outer reaches of what is possible on the ukulele this question is from devra and she's working on lesson number six the monostrum this is a big lesson. And Devra says, Hi James, I have mastered the previous five lessons. Way to go, Devra. That's awesome. But she says, I'm looking ahead at the monostrum and I'm wondering about the time needed to really master it. She's wondering what are the applications of this technique. She says, would it be used if I'm playing along in a song using only chords and then I want to add a little variation. Is that where it would be used? Thanks again for your help. It's nice having you available to answer questions like this. Um, okay, thanks for the question, Devra. This is, like I said, such a big, important lesson. Uh, the monostrum, for those of you who aren't familiar with it, is a um, it's a technique that I really explored on my album, A Flying Leap, which I recorded years ago, uh, but it was a real formative album for me, and this technique is all over that album. It's where you strum all the strings, but you only let one string ring out. So you're muting three of the four strings, and only one string gets to sing. And that means the right hand basically just thinks we're strumming, but the left hand is making sure that we only hear one note at a time, which means now instead of plucking a melody, you can now strum that melody. And now suddenly you can use all of your strumming techniques melodically. So that's pretty fun. 
And this monostrum ends up being sort of the secret ingredient in a lot of more advanced playing. Um, sometimes it's really obvious, and sometimes it's a lot more subtle. So um, it takes a while to master. It's a very physical skill. You can understand the concept very quickly, but it can still take a very long time to actually get it into your fingers and to implement this into your playing. But it's well worth it, I think. And let me just demonstrate, uh, Devra, a couple of the applications for this because you're asking. First of all, you're absolutely right. One common application for this is when you're strumming. And you want to add a little bit of melodic variation every once in a while. But you don't want to totally break out of this strumming groove that you've got going. So you might use the monostrum like this. So what I'm doing there is sometimes I'm strumming a chord and sometimes I'm using the monostrum to strum a melody. get to go back and forth musically speaking but technically your right hand is sort of staying in that strumming zone and keeping that strumming feeling all the way through so it has a nice consistency to it and it sort of stays in the groove so that's one possible application another way to think about this is to flip it around and use the monostrum to play sort of a bass line that goes below the chord. So if I have a bass line like um, something like this and I have some chords over the top of that you know, I'm just kind of making this up but this one is a lot like um, my arrangement of Billie Jean, you know, it kind of reminds me of the same thing. I've got a couple of tutorials for free on YouTube where I actually teach you that step by step. But this one here is very similar. If I put these together, I get something like... So in that case, you know, I'm fooling the ear into thinking that I'm kind of picking that bass line and strumming the chord. But really from a right hand perspective, I'm just strumming all the strings all the time. That's the key with this monostrum. You're always strumming all the strings. It's the left hand that decides which of those strings gets to speak and which of them is muted. And as you progress to more and more advanced repertoire and explore jazz and blues and arrangements that have multiple voices that are somewhat independent, as you go down those really amazing and 
wonderful learning pathways, this monostrum is going to be your secret sauce. So, Devra, to get back to your question, it is so worth the effort, but it will take some time for it to sink in. I hope that the examples I've given here are enough to inspire you to put in the time because you won't regret it. Thanks for the question and keep up the good work. Thanks for tuning in to the Euctropolis podcast and for taking this deep dive with me into the uncharted waters of extreme ukulele. Don't forget, there's a free lesson waiting for you at ukulelex.com if you want to test drive this course. I'll be back again next week with another episode. And until then, I'll see you at ukutropolis.com where you'll find a whole library of unique online ukulele courses for everyone. Until then, be well and keep on strumming.